We are continuing our sermon series entitled, The Family After God's Own Heart. So far, we've learned how to be a wise husband and how to be a wise father. We've also learned how to be a wife and a mother after God's heart. I hope and pray that all of us are applying God's truth in our lives and in our families. Today, we will look again at the book of Proverbs, and this time, we'll learn how to be a wise child. As we've learned before, Solomon wrote Proverbs to teach his son. He wanted his son to live a life of wisdom. How? By living in the fear of the Lord. But note that Proverbs as a whole is not only intended to be taught to kids or the youth. Instead, Proverbs was written for every child, meaning Proverbs is for every one of us, whether you're young or old. Proverbs is for the naive, the foolish, and even those who are already wise. Proverbs 1, 2 to 5 tells us, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Now, there are many things that we could say about how to be a wise child, but for now, I would like us to focus on these two things. First, look for wisdom, and then honor your parents. The first, look for wisdom. Look for wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon categorized people into four groups. The wise, the simple, the fool, and the mocker. These categories do not necessarily depend on the person's age, race, gender, or socioeconomic status. Instead, the group which each person falls into is primarily determined by one's life direction in reference to the Lord and by the person's relationship with God. Let's look at their characteristics. The first is the wise. Those who are moving towards the Lord are called the wise. A wise person fears the Lord, trusts in his wisdom, and follows his ways. Proverbs 14:16 tells us, the wise fear the Lord and shun evil. Next, the simple and naive. In the book of Proverbs, the naive are those who lack experience and have limited knowledge, and a significant factor to this reality is usually age. You see, everybody comes into this world as naive, as part of our growth and development. We started as innocent and ignorant children, but as we grow older, we need to grow from being simple to becoming wise. Now, here's the problem with the simple. Because of their lack of sense and lack of experience, the simple are vulnerable and gullible. They also have no perception of consequences. Proverbs 22, 23. The prudent see the danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Most of the time, in Proverbs, the simple are not considered as wicked. They have not yet rejected the way of wisdom. Yet, they lack the judgment to distinguish between wisdom and folly. And since they have difficulty discerning between right and wrong, they quickly fall prey to wickedness and folly. Proverbs 1, 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. For the simple, if the waywardness is not corrected, it will harm and destroy them. Now here's an example of the simple in the book of Proverbs in chapter 7. While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. It was twilight. In the evening, a deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. 
so she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. Now, the simple and the unperceiving person believes the seductress. Lacking judgment and foresight, he willingly rushes to his own destruction. Look at what happened next. Proverbs 7, 22-23 He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Now here's the point. The simple is unaware of the lurking danger. Perhaps the simple told himself that he was just taking a walk. Perhaps he told himself that he would just listen and observe, just take a quick look, and in his simple and imprudent ways, he walks into his own destruction. You see, most young people are in this category. They stand at the critical crossroads of making a decisive choice. Either they are one step away from becoming fools and destroy themselves, or they are one step away from leaving behind their simple ways and turning to wisdom. The simple would either end up moving towards the Lord or away from Him. Now, here's the third category of people, the fool. The fool are those who are moving away from the Lord, and fools usually know the difference between right and wrong. But here's the problem. They still prefer to do wrong and choose not to follow God's wisdom. The fool's primary goal in life is to pursue pleasure with little or no concern for long-term results of their wayward actions. When confronted with the truth, the fool says, I know what you mean, but I don't care. If you warn them by saying, don't you realize that if you keep neglecting your spouse, your marriage will suffer? They'll say, yeah, I know, but I'll keep doing what I want. If you confront a fool by saying, you need to spend wisely or your whole family will continue having difficulties, the person will reply, I already know that, but it's no big deal. I'll be able to handle it. You see, fools know their choices have consequences, but they still choose to do their own way. If you warn them, they'll just ignore you. Why? Because a fool thinks he's doing just fine. He's fully convinced that he doesn't need any help, especially from the Lord. As Proverbs 12.15 tells us, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Also, a foolish person is someone who rejects God and his standard. The fool lives his life according to his own rules. Psalm 53 verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. Now, if you're a professing Christian, you can also act like a fool. That happens when you choose not to follow God's warnings and commands. Yes, it could be that you're not a fool in every area of your life, but you could also be acting foolishly in some areas. Perhaps it's in the way that you speak or in the way you handle your relationships. Maybe it's in your handling of finances or your choices of friends. Now here's God's sobering warning to the fools. Proverbs 26.3 A whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. And the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see, in the end, the fool will suffer harm. Not only that, the fool also harms his companions. The fool brings trouble to his parents, wife, and children. The fool also harms her husband, co-workers, and friends. Sadly, fools would end up hurting themselves and others. The last category, the mockers or scoffers. The mockers are the hyper-fools. Like the fool, mockers and scoffers also know the difference between right and wrong. But here's where the mockers differ from the fools. 
when you warn or correct a scoffer, they would not just ignore you. Instead, mockers would criticize you. They would laugh at your convictions and godly standard. Mockers are the farthest from the Lord. Proverbs 9, 7 to 8. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting the mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. Interestingly, in the book of Proverbs, we see Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly fighting for attention and competing for the heart of the simple, the fool, and the mockers. Listen to Lady Wisdom's invitation, Proverbs 1, 20-23. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you mockers delight in your mocking? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. In the same way, the woman folly also gives out her invitation. And her favorite target? The simple ones. Proverbs 9. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She's calling to all those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, or the place of the dead. Friends, among these four groups of people, which one are you? Are you the wise person who fears the Lord and follows Him? Are you the simple person who lacks experience and discernment? Or are you a fool or mocker who chooses to reject God, live by your own standards, and pursue the pleasures of this world? I hope and pray that all of us, regardless of our present category, that all of us would choose to be wise and look for wisdom. Why? Because this is the truth that Proverbs teaches us. Wisdom is the only path to life, but folly is the highway to death. Folly masquerades as the way of life filled with pleasures, but lasting satisfaction is only found in the way of wisdom. So may God help us. Now here's the next question. Where should we look for wisdom? Where should we look for wisdom? Knowing that wisdom is essential, we need to ensure that we're looking for wisdom in the right places. Today, we live in the information age. But isn't it ironic that we live in a world with more and more information readily available, yet we have less and less wisdom? Brett McCracken, the author of the book Wisdom Pyramid, he said that we need to have better habits of information intake. Listen to what he said. To become wise in the information age, where opinions, soundbites, diversions, and distractions are abundant, but wisdom is scarce, we need to be more discerning about what we consume. We need a diet comprised of lasting, reliable sources of wisdom rather than the fleeting, untrustworthy information that bombards us today. A diet heavy on what fosters wisdom and low on what fosters folly. So how do we get wisdom? And where should we look for it? Let me give you three sources of wisdom according to the scriptures. First, the Word of God, then virtuous parents, and godly counsel. First, the Word of God. If we are to become wise, we need to go back to the scriptures. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And how from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's what? It's useful or profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, 
so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Dear church, let us be wise. Let us study God's word. But more than studying it, we need also to obey and apply it in our lives. The more we learn and obey God's word, the more we will become wise. As the psalmist tells us, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Let's go back to the wisdom pyramid. God's eternal word should be at the base level as the foundation. Scripture is something that we should be relying on for wisdom in everything. And here's the reason why. Scripture teaches us that all essential things that we need to know and do to live a life of faith, wisdom, and godliness. Scripture teaches us all the essential things that we need to know and do to live a life of faith, wisdom, and godliness. Now, on the top end of the pyramid is social media, and it is something that we should use sparingly. Why? Because most of the time, the information we get from it is unreliable and even harmful. But here is a sad reality, as commented by the author. Tragically, our wisdom pyramids are often upside down. What should be at the base level, which is God's eternal word, is often relegated to the top and used sparingly. Meanwhile, what should really be at the top, which should be used sparingly, is often at the foundation of our source of wisdom. And we wonder why we are struggling with wisdom. So, dear church, may God help us. Let God's word be our primary source of wisdom because, as the psalmist says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Next, virtuous parents. Your parents, especially if they are godly ones, are good sources of wisdom. Parents who fear the Lord and submit to his word and live out God's truth in their lives could encourage and inspire us to do the same. Now, if your parents are not Christians, God can still use them to teach you many good things and lessons in life. Given this reality, it would be foolish for you to ignore their words or disregard their instructions and resist their discipline. We'll look at more of this later. Wisdom source number three, Godly counsel. Proverbs 12.15 The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 19.20 Listen to advise and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. We need to seek godly counsel. When God calls us to follow him, he expects us to live in community with other believers and actively engage with the members of the body of Christ, and that is the church. Godly leaders and spiritually mature believers could counsel us in times of crisis and critical decisions as we go through life. They are God's under-shepherds who are best equipped to guide the members of God's flock. But here's the key. Asking for advice and accepting instruction from godly counselors requires humility. So unless you are humble, you can't become wise. Unless you are humble, you can't become wise. Remember the story of King Rehoboam in 2 Chronicles chapter 8-10? to He became king after the death of his father Solomon. Soon after, he found himself in need of advice on a difficult matter. Jeroboam and all of Israel asked him to lighten the burden of forced labor that King Solomon imposed on them. In return, they promised to serve King Rehoboam well. Rehoboam initially consulted the elders who served under his father. They advised him to show kindness to the people and speak good words to them. 
However, Rehoboam did not like their answer. So he asked his younger friend's opinion. They advised him the opposite, and that is to lord it over to the people and boast. And by saying, listen to what the advice of the young men. The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to the people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Sadly, Rehoboam decided to heed his friend's advice, seemingly because it strokes his ego. But his decision ended in a disaster. The people got angry and they rebelled against King Rehoboam. At the beginning of his reign as king, Rehoboam lost the loyalty of the ten tribes of Israel and the kingdom was split into two. Now here's the point. Listening to godly counsel takes humility. So dear friends, do your best to practice humility. Learn from your pastors and teachers. Learn from your church leaders or your discipleship groups. And as you make that final decision, decide based on biblical principles and prayerfully choose the wisest course. The second thing I want to highlight is this. To become a wise child, honor your parents. Honor your parents. The Bible gives us many instruction on honoring parents. This command is vital because it's one of God's Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Notice also that this is the first command that comes with a promise. It comes with a great incentive of long life and a good life to those who will obey this command. Now, I want to highlight the ways we can honor our parents as found in the book of Proverbs. We can be wise children by honoring our parents when we do the following. First, listen to them and seek their advice. Proverbs 1, 8-9 Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Look at what Solomon said in verse 9. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. In ancient times, a wreath for the head and ornaments for the neck were rewards given to victors and champions of sports competitions. It's the equivalent of the Olympic gold medals today. Solomon tells us that if we obey our parents, we will gain victories and experience a life of blessing. Now, if you're someone who is still living under your parents' care and protection, and if you're still dependent on your parents, God calls you to obey them in everything. Colossians 3.20 Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 6.1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Of course, if your parents ask you to do something illegal or ungodly, you should not do it, but only obey those commands that are godly and pleasing to the Lord. Now, about those who are already adults, married, and financially independent from their parents, what are we supposed to do? You see, God still commands us to still honor our parents because honoring our parents has no expiration date. Proverbs 23, 22 tells us, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. We still have to honor them because God calls us to do so. As long as our parents are alive, we are to honor them by listening to them. Now think about it. When we were little children, we used to ask our parents many questions, especially when we have difficulty in homeworks. We ask them for help. But as we grow older and gain more information, we begin to think that we are more knowledgeable than them. While this could be true in some sense, our parents are still wiser than us in some respects. So even if you're already an adult, seek advice from your parents. 
We honor our parents when we ask and listen to their advice. Of course, it doesn't mean that you'll follow every piece of advice that they give, but in the end, you need to discern God's direction and make that final decision according to His ways. Next, speak graciously to them. Honor your parents by speaking graciously with them. Proverbs 20.20, If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. The word curse in Hebrew means to belittle, make light of, or treat with contempt. Notice the terrifying warning of dishonoring our parents through our words. To be snuffed out means you will die. This proverb reflects the Old Testament commandment in Exodus 21, 17, and Leviticus 29. And our Lord Jesus himself affirmed this command in the New Testament. Listen to this. Matthew 15, 3-4. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Did you hear that? Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. That is a severe warning from God himself. You see, our parents are God's divine representatives in our families. So when we dishonor and curse our parents, we are actually dishonoring and cursing God. So dear friends, let us be careful how we talk with our parents, no matter how old we are. Yes, there are times when we would disagree with them, but when that happens, make sure you disagree with them gently and gracefully. Honor them as you would honor the Lord in the way you talk with your parents. And this principle is especially important if you're the only Christian in your family and your parents and family members are not. Even if your parents are saying hurtful words against you, it's not an excuse for you to fight back, retaliate, and say mean words to them. Instead, exercise the Holy Spirit's gift of self-control and follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.23 When they, Jesus' enemies, hurled insults at him against our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. So may we be like our Lord Jesus Christ. Next, don't lie to them, but tell them the truth. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. It's both amazing and sad to know how many children lie to their parents. Perhaps because children, even as adults, Fear the consequences if they tell the truth. Some children simply don't want to disappoint their parents. But as uncomfortable as it may be to tell them the truth, it's essential for children to tell them the truth and not lie to their parents. Because trust is the foundation of any good relationship. Now, if you have lied to your parents, confess the truth to them. Ask for their forgiveness and take that step towards honoring them by being truthful in your words. When you do that, you also honor Christ in your life because Jesus himself says that he is the truth. So may God help us. Next, appreciate and encourage them. As we've learned last time, Proverbs 18.21, the tongue is a power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Bring life to your relationship with your father and mother by appreciating them. Think about it. When was the last time that you thank your dad? When was the last time that you appreciated 
your mom. Here's an interesting quote that I found. Love and appreciate your parents. We are often so busy growing up, we forget they are also growing old. Read it again and let it sink in. Love and appreciate your parents. We are often so busy growing up, we forget that they are also growing old. Dear friends, don't let your business cause you to miss the essential things in life, and that is your family and your relationships. So if you have the opportunity, I encourage you, find time to thank your parents. You can do this during Father's Day or Mother's Day or during your parents' birthday. Don't limit it to those occasions only. You could also do this in your family meals once a week or more frequently. And here's what you can tell them. Here are some examples that we can show appreciation and encouragement. Tell them, Papa, thank you for providing well for our family. I appreciate you for your hard work and sacrifice. God has blessed our family through you and through your leadership, so thank you. Mama, I appreciate you for always making sure that we have food to eat and keeping our house clean and in order. Thank you. Pa, thank you for teaching me about money and business. Everything I've learned about handling finances, I've learned from you. Ma, thank you for teaching me how to be good to others. You've taught me how to respect people and to be kind to the poor. And with that, I am grateful. Dad, thank you for your godly example. I am encouraged by your faith in God, your love for our family, and your kindness to others. I want to be like you and follow your example. I love you, Dad. Mom, thank you for taking good care of us. When we were young, now that I'm also a parent, I want to follow your loving example. Thank you, Mom. I love you. Friends, our parents are not perfect just like us, but there are good things that they do that are worthy of our appreciation. So be intentional. Look for those good things and tell it to them and be an encouragement to your parents. The last, bring them pride, gladness, and joy. Proverbs 10.1 A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. You see, as children, we can bring grief or trouble to our parents no matter how old we are. An example of this is Esau in Genesis chapter 26. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm tired of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like this from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? You see, both Isaac and Rebekah suffered harm because of Esau's wrong decision to choose uh, spouses that are not uh, believers of God. And so here in the book of Genesis, we see that example. So friends, remember that our choices have consequences. And the results of our choices will not only impact ourselves, but also our family. Your choice will impact you, your family, especially your parents. So be mindful of your decisions that you will make. Now, one way of bringing pride, joy, and gladness to our parents is by studying hard, studying well. So young people, take your studies seriously. 
show them that you appreciate your parents' sacrifice just to make sure to give you the best education. Think about it. Why do parents display their graduation photos of their children or grandchildren? Some parents also display the graduation diploma of their children. Because as Tim Keller said, our parents need to see themselves in us and we have to respect that need. You see, our success is our parents' success. Our parents long to see how they have impacted their children and how their children reflect their strengths and values. So dear friends, let us do our best to honor our parents by bringing them pride and gladness. But of course, it's a sad reality that there are parents who are really hard to please no matter what you do. And many times, this attitude creates guilt, shame, and even anger in children. Nonetheless, as long as you do your best to honor your parents and glorify God, know that your Heavenly Father is pleased with you, and that is enough. Now let me close. Let us review what we've learned today. There are four categories of people. The wise, the simple, the fool, and the mockers. And you and I need to choose what kind of person we want to be. And we, with God's help, may you and I choose to be a wise person. To be a wise child, we need to look for wisdom and to honor our parents. To be a wise child, we need to look for wisdom and honor our parents. And there are three sources of wisdom. Scriptures, parents, and godly counsel. But out of these three sources, the Word of God is our primary and ultimate source of wisdom. Lastly, we can honor our parents in various ways. By listening to them and seeking their advice. When we speak graciously with them. When we don't lie to them but tell them the truth. When we appreciate and encourage them. When we bring them pride, gladness, and joy. So may God help us. Let us learn how to be wise children. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us through Solomon, through the book of Proverbs, how can we be wise children. Lord, you said in your word that those who seek you and those who honor you, Lord God, you will allow them to find you and you will honor them back. Help us, Lord, to live a life of wisdom, to seek you wholeheartedly. Lord, forgive us for many times that we have sought the pleasure of this world, that we have sought wisdom, Lord God, based on the standard of our culture. Father, forgive us. Because many times, as we go um, to those directions, Lord God, we are just harming ourselves. But Lord, you have always been forgiving, that you have always been loving. Help us to return to you and come back to you. And Father, grant us wisdom through your Spirit. Give us that hunger and thirst for your word. As we read your word, Speak to us, O oh God. Enable us to understand who you are, know your character, and more importantly, reflect you and reflect Christ in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be wise children. Help us to always seek you wholeheartedly and to glorify and honor your name. Father, we remember those of us who are sick. We ask for your healing mercy. We ask for your physical restoration. We ask that you would allow, Lord God, wholeness and life flow in our bodies, Lord God, renew us, O Lord, and help us, Lord God, to taste your favor, to taste that resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God, in our physical bodies. Grant us your healing. We pray for those who are afraid, to those, Lord God, who are facing difficulties. 
emotional concern, Lord God, worries, I pray that you help us, Lord God, to focus on you, to see things, Lord God, through your perspective. May we see how big you are, how great you are, and realize that our problem is really small in comparison with you and that you are the God who would be able to help us, Lord God, in your time and according to your ways. Father, I pray for those of us, Lord God, who are struggling in our relationships. I pray that you help us restore our relationships with our parents, with our spouse, with our children, with the people around us, Lord God, with our co-workers. Enable us, Lord God, to humble ourselves before you. And as we humble ourselves, Lord God, lift us up, Lord God, according um, to your timing, Lord God. And uh, in, in due time, Lord God, I pray that you empower us, Lord God, with your spirit. Help us to practice self-control, humility, patience. For those of us who are facing sufferings and difficulties, help us to endure. May we always be reminded, Lord God, of your goodness and surround us, Lord God, with people who would encourage us to, to run the race and not give up. Thank you, Lord. We pray for the whole world. We pray for our country. We pray for our leaders, Lord God. We ask that you enable us to make sense of what is going on and to uh, have the wisdom and, and the discernment to know the best steps to take. And we ask, O oh God, that in the midst of this chaos and this turmoil, may we see that you are the God who is the reigning king, and let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord God, to honor you, to glorify your name, for you alone deserve all our worship and praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for today. We commit to you this day. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once more for joining us. Hope you can join us again next time. God bless us all.